0: You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. We are in the middle of our series entitled Beyond the Signs. And this is basically a series on the miracles that are written in the Gospel of John. uh, Seven miracles. And John doesn't even call it miracles. He calls them Signs. Uh, And he has a specific reason and a purpose why he has mentioned these signs and wonders and miracles as such. We've uh, journeyed already in the past two weeks. uh, The first uh, miracle that ever happened in the life of Christ is the miracle at the wedding in Cana. And that's the miracle of uh, turning water into wine. Last week we talked about the miracle of the healing of the official son. It's uh, interesting that when he... Uh, sent out his word of healing he didn't have, he even have to uh, lay his hands on that boy but yet he actually just spoke the word and He's healed uh, just to give us a, a, a an overarching uh, verse for uh, what we're trying to look at it's found actually in in John chapter 20 verse 30 to 31 and it says now Jesus did many other signs everybody say signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And so he was very specific. There are other miracles that are written actually in the other Gospels. But he only chose seven. In fact, if you count all the miracles, there are about 31 miracles of Christ written elsewhere in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But yet he only chose seven. And these are written, verse 31, so that you may believe, everybody say believe, Believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. So he's very specific. There's a specific goal and a purpose why he used only seven signs. He could have actually used 20 or 30 30 or everything, but yet he chose seven because he wanted these signs to point who Christ really is. And the whole essence, the purpose why he did that is that you and I may believe so that we can receive life from His name. Basically, these signs help us believe so that we can receive. Everybody say, believe. believe? So that we can receive. So it's basically that believe in his name so that we can receive eternal life. There are really different signs of summer. Of course, you perspire more, uh, it becomes more humid. Uh, you know, uh, if you look at the skin that you have, you are, you're more malagkit than normal, okay? And so even as you go to the different uh, stores in the mall, you see uh, things that are being sold out in the mall, okay? And so we see that there are uh, things that are being sold like, for example, you see uh, portable swimming pools that are being sold. Sunblock lotion, okay? Or shades, okay? Uh, maybe some of you have bought new shades for summer. There's, the sun is brighter. And yesterday, we have attended a, uh, a wedding right here uh, in, in this ballroom. Actually, the wedding was actually on the third floor. Uh, it's an outdoor garden wedding, and the wedding finished at almost 6 o'clock, but yet the sun is still out. And normally when you are in a December uh, winter solstice, uh, what we notice is that the days are shorter, but when it's summertime, the days are longer. Okay? And so you have earlier sunrise and later sunset. Uh, and part of that is also many people planning to go to the beach, uh, you know, planning your summer vacation, especially those who are uh, in school. I'm sure that you're looking uh, forward to having two months of summer vacation. Now, if you attend La Salle, I think you only have two weeks. No, just one month, okay? Summer vacation. We plan on summer vacation. So you go to the beach, you go to the pool. And so these are like some of the things that you see during summer pools. The story that we're going to be focusing on this afternoon is actually a story about a pool uh, right there in the middle of Jerusalem. Unfortunately, this is not the typical type of pool that you will actually look at or, or, or see. And um, notice that this is actually not the type of pool that you will swim in. Okay? This is not kind of like that pool. Okay? This is nice. It's actually you know, treated with chlorine, uh, safe to, to swim in. Or, or this type maybe, okay? Looking at the beach uh, and uh, enjoying the the fresh scenery, okay? And so, but yet, uh, this story that we're going to be looking at is the third sign uh, in the book of John. And we're looking at the healing of the lame man in the pools of Bethesda. And uh, later on, I'm going to show you some uh, pictures because you're we uh, blessed enough last uh, year to be able to visit that place. Okay, so if you have your Bibles, please open up to the book of John, as usual. Now I encourage you to go and read uh, John as we are going through this next. Uh, I think four more weeks, five more weeks, uh, as you trek along. There are 21 chapters of John, and you know four demarcations of John, and so you'll notice that in the first uh, 12 chapters are all the signs that we are uh, studying. So all the miracles or all the signs will be seen in the first 12 chapters. and the last uh, uh, 8 chapters from 13 to 20 is basically the last uh, week in the life of Jesus leading towards his uh, death on the cross and then resurrection. Okay, so if you are in the book of John, chapter 5, we're going to be reading 20 verses. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is... In Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, a pool. Everybody say, a pool. In Aramaic, called Bethesda. Everybody say, Bethesda. Which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man, verse 5, you notice that there's no verse 4. We're going to explain that later on. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. That's a long time. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? The man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, and while I am going another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once, everybody say at once. The man was healed. And he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered, The man who healed me, that man said to me, Take up your bed and walk. They asked him, Who is that man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Let's continue reading on from verse 18 to 20. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that He himself is doing, and greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your the preaching of your word this afternoon. We ask that you would bless and you would open up our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church and as individual people, Lord. Thank you, Lord God, that you will transform us once again from the inside out. Change our mindset, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that we will have opportunities to have encounters with you, Lord God, not only during this time as we study your word, but even during the week uh, that is up ahead. Commit to you the rest of this time, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said earlier, we've actually seen about three signs. This is the third sign. As we've read the story uh, from the fifth chapter, what is glaring? What is the sign that you see? What miracle transpired in the pool of Bethesda? Healing, okay? Quite obvious. The sign, the, the miracle, or the signs and wonder that actually happened between Christ and this lame person in that particular place was healing. That lame man was invalid for how many years again? 38 years. 38 long years. Some of you are not even 38 years old yet. So you can imagine the difficulty and the hardship that this person had actually experienced. Okay, But let me submit to you that the sign is actually more than just healing per se. Because actually, as we have read the succeeding verses right after that story, Jesus is talking about uh, himself co-equal with the Father, and the main issue of the Jews against him was not really about the healing. What was the issue about? It's about Sabbath. Okay? Now, how many of you have Sundays as your regular day off? Please raise your hand. All right, because I guess you're here, so you're enjoying your Sabbath. Okay? You know, we don't really call it Sabbath, but somehow Sabbath is actually the day wherein you can actually cease from work. Okay? You're, you're, you're resting, okay? You're not working. Uh, the pastors on Sundays, we don't have Sabbath, okay? So this is our work day, okay? So uh, Monday is our, technically our Sabbath or our day off. That's our rest day, okay? But one day in a week, we, we find rest, okay? We, we, we find rest so that we can actually recover and recuperate from, from work. And so this sign that we see here is actually not the healing per se, but that Jesus was working on the Sabbath just like the Father so you've read we've read that in the in the verses okay so just so that we will not confuse because the apostle john is very specific in the way he wrote things and you want to make sure that we get the point that this sign is pointing to another thing okay signs are meant to point to something or someone in this particular case of course we know that this sign is pointing to who jesus is Just to give us a quick review of the sign in the first week, turning water into wine, what was the sign? The sign was the water of purification that was used, the six jar, remember the six jars? Okay, that was used to to bring water, to make water into wine. Those were like ceremonial jars. The water there represents the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. In order for man to be able to approach God, you've got to do some purification rites. You have to do some sacrifice. You've got to... Purify yourself or cleanse yourself with water, have some ceremonial washing, uh, You know, sacrifice the lamb. But we see that God used this particular miracle as a sign in order for us to know that there is a transition now from the old covenant to the new covenant. The new covenant represents the wine. And the Bible says that Jesus is coming to give us a new covenant through his blood. Are you getting it? So that's the sign. So I don't want us to miss out on that. Because you know, every time we have communion, what do we have? What are the two elements? We have the bread and the juice. Okay? <laughs> Mali, you know? In some churches, they actually have wine. They have, uh, what do you call that? Mompo. Mom, mompo something like that, okay? Uh, I tried that when I was a sacristan before. So that's like the, you know, the, the picture, the sign that you know, Jesus is now changing this old covenant into a new covenant. Last week, we talked about the healing of the official son. And what was the sign? Basically, this healing. You know, when Jesus spoke, "Go, your son will live." There's not even a laying on of hands. He didn't even bother to go to the house of that boy and say, "Ukarabaraba," something like that. Okay, prayed tongues. You know, uh, you know, did a lot of things and you know laid hands on that boy and you know tried to touch the hair of that boy. But nothing. He merely spoke, and healing came. What reminds us of that picture? The time of creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that God the Father is the one who created all things, and the way He created was, how did He create? He spoke the word. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He didn't touch anything. He just merely spoke, and after that, things came out, out of nothing. And so that gives us a picture that Jesus, this same Jesus, the Son of God, was present in creation. Are we getting it? In John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Who is that Word? Jesus is that Word, the second uh, person in the Godhead, in the Trinity. So not only the Father was there present in the creation, even Jesus was present in the creation. The sign. These are very important. The sign. What's the sign pointing to? Okay. And so this particular story is now pointing to a particular sign about Sabbath and about the Father working now let's look at the story very quickly i've actually just divided this into two, three parts uh, the problem uh, and then you've got the you've got the practice of religiosity and the last is the power of god so the, th- those are the three uh, demarcation or waiting share or stop points that we'll have in this uh, sermon okay after this was a feast of the jews and jesus went up to jerusalem you notice that you know they just love having feast they have different kinds of feasts. Okay? They're like Filipinos. Mahiling okay? mag-piesta. This coming uh, May, we're going to have a lot, a lot of fiestas again. So they have feasts, but this feast normally remind them of their relationship with God. Some scholars say it was a specified year, but some scholars say it's a feast of the Passover. Some are saying it's a feast of the Pentecost. Okay, Yet in verse 2, it says, Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed, Colonnades. Now, if you look at the word Bethesda, Bethesda really means house of mercy. That's what it means. Bethesda, as the pool itself, it's not a it's not a temple. It's not a religious place. It's actually a Gentile area. It's a place where people gather, and you know, as as we have read earlier, uh, that they actually are waiting for their opportune time for them to jump into the pool just in case the angel, according to their superstitious belief, it's not an actual event, it's superstition. Okay, so that's the reason why you notice that the, that particular verse that was found in the King James in verse 4 is now part of your footnotes. Footnotes in NIV and footnotes in ESV. Okay, uh, Just a long explanation there. But somehow, they deem like the scholars are actually, they said that that's not really the inspired word, but that is so important that it has to be part of the text. Though it, you'll find it in the manuscript that was used by King James, printed in 1611. And we know that many more manuscripts that are earlier dated that were discovered in the later part of our century. Like for example in Qumran caves uh, a shepherd found several manuscripts and there were thousands more manuscripts that were written and can you imagine how beautiful the word of god is okay with thousands of different people translating and transcribing this okay 40 uh, writers and many different scribes they you know when from different eras and areas and when they compared this they all still coincide but some of them actually did an annotation And they deem that this particular part is just an annotation. But this is still part of the story because you see that in verse 7, he refers to this, the lame man, okay? And so I don't want to bore you with all the details. But, you know, when uh, we were visiting uh, uh, Israel last year, our teacher, he's a Messianic Jew by the name of Aryeh Bar David basically brought us to the different parts that are interesting uh, in, the, in, the study of, in the study tour. And uh, he brought us actually to the pools of Bethesda. First, he brought us to the Israel Museum, and this is where Israel Museum is. These are like the miniature model of Jerusalem during the time of Christ. And so he showed us this particular uh, you know, structure, which you see, there are two pools. It's not just one pool. This is the pool of Bethesda. But it's really two pools that are separated by a partition. And so you see the colonnades there, the columns that are in that particular uh, place. Now, the size of that is really, it's such a miniature model. Okay, so you can imagine it's, a, it's smaller than this this uh, speaker right in front, or maybe as big as this, okay? So that's like a big, so we were actually on top, we were like taking pictures there. It's, uh, it's amazing, it's awesome, okay? So it gives you a snapshot of how it looks like during the time of Jesus. But of course, we know that after the Roman Empire came the Hellenistic period and the Byzantine Empire, and so what they did was, they, in order for them to build cities, they have to build on top of the, one or the other, And so as they dig archaeologically, this is now how it looks like. This is the actual place where the Bethesda is. It's now deep down there. So you can imagine that is not a swimming pool. okay? That is actually, uh, you know, after many, many civilizations, they built and built and built on one structure over the other. And so what was used to be that height is now like this. So archaeological finance brought us to that place. And so you'll find, you'll somehow just have a picture that that is what Bethesda looked like. And it's actually like a tight place. You know, I don't know how many can actually fit there, but I'm sure that when the invalids and the lame and the mute and the blind would gather, they don't really have much space. They're actually probably piled on top of one over the other. I mean, that's how, you know, there's no such thing, okay? It's just right there, you know, and whatever happens, tayo. If they see the if they see the stirring of the water of what if a, a child throw a throws a pebble and they see a ripple, everybody jumps in. Something like that, okay? So that's exactly what happened in the past. And so what's the problem here? The problem uh, really is just that one man, okay, he's got the problem. He's lame. He's been an invalid for about the past thirty-eight years. In these lay a mother of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for thirty-eight years. So you can imagine this man who's been there. We don't know if he lived there. We don't know if he stays there. Or we don't know if maybe his relatives bring him in the morning and you know brings him home at night. Okay. He's got withered feet and withered faith for 38 years he's been waiting for his miracle for 38 years for 38 long years he'd been suffering he's been going through this situation over and over and over again does that situation sound familiar do you have any situation where you can actually relate with this lame man that you've been going in the same situation over and over and over again? it may not be 38 years it may be like five years it may be six years. But it's the same situation, same sickness. It may be diabetes. It may be, you know, uh, I, I don't know, cancer. It may be a heart ailment. It may be a problem with your marriage. It may be a problem with relationships. It may be a problem with one of your children. The same old problem time and time and time again, over and over again, just like this lame person. Maybe you have a problem with their business or finances or so on and so forth. Unanswered prayers. We find ourselves in the same place just like this lame man. There are areas in our life wherein we feel that we are lame and invalid, don't we? How many of you can actually identify that there are some areas in your life wherein you need God? Please raise your hand. That somehow there is a form of ministry that I actually have. It may not be exactly like that. It may be different. It may be depression. It may be an emotional thing. It may be trauma in the past that you've experienced as a young child. And this trauma has been revisiting you ever since. And you're longing, Lord, how can I be delivered from this? And how many of you know that we can be delivered by Christ? Amen. In Christ alone. We've sang that song earlier. He broke my chains. And we've been set free. We can actually find rest in Him, in Him alone. Amen. Can we just give the Lord praise this afternoon? To him we look for help. And the lame man does not even know that help is right in front of him. He didn't recognize who this is. You know, that he probably hasn't heard of, of Jesus, of what he's capable of doing. And so when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? sounds like an odd question coming from Jesus looking at a guy who's been invalid for the past 38 years. I mean, if you see a person who's sick in the hospital, do you want to get healed? I enjoy ako dito, Pastor. I love it here. Love it. You know, it's, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't understand why Jesus asked that question. Do you want to get healed? And the, the, the man did not even know. Who Jesus was. Yet, of course, we know who Jesus is right now, right? Can you imagine what happens if tonight Jesus appears in your room and asks you a question? Do you want to get rich? What will you say? Of course! By all means, Lord, with two hands and my two feet up in the air, I would love to... How many of you would say yes? Of course, right? Or... Do you want to have, for those of you who are single, do you want to get married this year? wow! Wow, Lord, come on! Now we're talking, right? You know, we're talking about the obvious here, Lord naman! Parang, why are you asking, duh! And yet, he's very specific in his question. Maybe he's drawing something from that guy, and you know, ano ba talaga gusto mo, best? You know, he's probably wanting to, you know, I want you to be able to verbalize what you want. I want you to be able to say to me what your prayer is. How many of you, do you want to be wise? You know, if God appears to you, do you want to be wise? Of course, I want to be wise. Or do you want me to change your face to make you more handsome? Why not? So these are some of the things that, you know, if if we are just ready, you know, are we ready to have an encounter with God? If He asks us a question, we have Already answer. But yet, for this man, he doesn't even know how to answer the Creator, the Healer. And you know what his response was? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me there, eh. I've been a self-pity party. He said, I have no one to put me into the pool, eh. When the water is stirred up and while I am going another steps down before me, I can imagine this guy, poor... Invalid. You know he's lying down there, couldn't walk, and then when a little boy is playing out in the other colonnade, throws a stone, and there's like a a, a ripple, and he's right there beside the ripple. Okay, ngayon na. I couldn't move. Somebody push me. So he he wanted. He's been waiting for that miracle for the past 38 years, and nothing's happening and when the water is being and i don't know if he actually saw an actual staring of an angel that is like a superstitious belief his answer was odd because instead of him saying of course yes i want to be healed he just made mention his superstitious belief and his religious mindset and his faith that has been in the waters of the pools of bethesda his faith was actually there in the superstitious belief right there the layman put his belief and he's a Jew because you know he actually went inside the temple he's a Jew that has pagan beliefs it's like a hybrid thing okay how many of you have tried hybrid you believe in Jesus but just in case it doesn't work I also have feng shui (laughs) don't raise your hand anymore just in case I have astrology, just in case I have my horoscope, okay? Just in case I have my chain letter. How many of you receive a chain letter late, lately? Pass this on to the next 10 people or else you will be cursed. How many of you know that that is not real? That we have been blessed in Christ? The Bible says, cursed is he who is hanging on the cross and he took my curse for me. Amen. And whatever the enemy is planning to curse as with Jesus already paid the price for our sins and our curses in that cross of Calvary. Come on now, can we just give the Lord praise for that? <laughs> Nothing to fear. The other night I was biking with my two girls in the village and so we've had you know we put some lights in the bikes and so we were going around the village it was about maybe ten thirty in the evening and so we were biking 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 and so I said follow me don't ever let go okay And so as we were biking we went from one corner to the next one corner to the next I saw a black cat crossing the street right in front of me and this devil reminded me of the past and said Remember when you were a young boy? You were told that if you see a black cat that cross, it's dangerous. You might die. So I just remember that. And I said, who cares? Greater is he that is in the. I just ignored that and I said, God bless you, cat. I don't know what I said, but I just went for it. And I'm still alive today. How you know, I many of you know that superstition cannot touch us? Because we've been blessed by Jesus. Come on now. We have a new covenant. Where do you put your faith? That's my question. You know, God heals us not on the basis of our faith, but on the basis of His compassion and His mercy and grace. That's ultimately it. This man did not pray for healing. He didn't even know who Jesus was. He was not even looking for a healing. He was not even looking for a sign. But yet, Jesus, out of all the people there in that place, singled him out. Ito, pwede to. Eh. Singled him out. Do you wanna get healed? Kiyo na eh. But yet, even if he had the wrong answer, how many of you know that God is not even looking for a right or wrong answer? He's not even checking twice if you've been naughty or nice. But He is just making sure that His... Attribute, his character is consistent with what he is saying. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about his heart. It's about his mercy. It's about who he is. Nothing you can add to the covenant he's given to us already. He's giving to us, period, not based on your work. He wants us to cease from striving. Cease from wrong beliefs, cease from religiosity to break our mindset about all this superstitious belief and all the religious things that we, you know, somehow carried with us growing up. We are a very religious nation. Some very animistic as well, anting-anting, you know. You know, we watch movies like Pedro Penduko or something like, I don't know, uh, Darna, whatever, okay? So you have all these things that you've stored in your memory back, and you think that by trusting in these things, a bato, an amulet, an anting-anting, you know, a, a, a rabbit's foot, that you can actually be saved. We put our trust in the name of Jesus Christ and we are saved. These signs have been given so that you and I may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, so that you may receive life in his name that's simply it nothing more nothing less this guy was waiting for the stirring of the water and he failed to realize that it was the living water who was in front of him you know have you noticed that we've been actually going to the fifth chapter of John first five chapters of John have actually uh, have water themes from John chapter 1 to John chapter 5 john used motif of the water in all these chapters john chapter one we see that john the baptist was introduced here and the bible says he baptized with water and jesus is baptizes us with the holy spirit john chapter two we see the story of cana the waters in the jar of purification which turned from water To wine, John chapter 3, he was meeting with Nicodemus and he said that being born again, you've got to be born again with water and the spirit. John chapter 4, we see that there's a woman at the well. He was drawing water that will make her thirsty again, but he came home with the living water. And in John chapter 5, we see that there's another water here. And this man was putting his trust in the water that is powerless to make him whole. Because there's someone powerful who can speak the word and say, "Get up, pick up your bed, and walk," and then you are healed. And all these things are signs. And all these things are like common themes here. And we see that in the next, even in the next healing, in uh, you know the John chapter nine, uh, the, the the one who's uh, the blind man, he was told to go to the pool of Siloam, another water. You know, a story. And so I don't know if John really loves the beach or the water or the Sea of Galilee, but there's something about water that he's actually emphasizing. So Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and what? Walk. It was a command. Jesus told him, stop pity partying, pick up your mat, and go home. Make sure you don't leave anything behind. Of course when you read from esv bed you know sometimes when he says the word bed i'm thinking of queen-size bed pick up your queen-size bed and well how many of you know that is a strong man okay but you know somehow in the other translation it's like mat or mattress so it's probably you, you can actually roll that and carry that with your hand at once it was at once and at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked now that day was the sabbath very important statement there placed there by john it was not accidental that there was this statement that he placed there because he was trying to emphasize that jesus is the lord of the sabbath and he's provided rest for mankind from our striving from our good works from our religiosity from our you know uh, wrong uh, you know th- things about how to be saved. Ultimately, the man was healed not because of his faith, but because of the compassion of Christ. In fact, I couldn't find any where in this particular story wherein he actually exercised faith at all. Almost like even towards the end, he didn't have faith. In fact, some of the scholars are saying he may not be saved. But yet, God healed him. How many of you know That the pre-qualification of healing is not about us being saved, but it's just about the mercy and the compassion of God. And that you can actually receive healing and provision and blessing from God, and it's not equal to your salvation. We can actually lose out on the eternal because we focus on the physical. And Jesus is actually pointing again on this man. And so the practice of religiosity is the next thing that we're going to be looking at. The, the guys who were religious, this layman man was focusing on the superstitious and the Jews were focusing also on the religiosity or the traditions of their elders. So verse 10, it says, The Jews said to the man, when you read the word Jews here, it refers to the leaders or the elders, not just the regular, you know, everybody, the crowd Jews, but the, the, the leaders. Said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you. To take up your bed, you know. I believe that Jesus was intentional in going to the pool of, uh, you know, Bethesda and healing a guy exactly on this day because he wanted to make a point. He could have chosen a Tuesday or a Monday or a Wednesday, but it shows the Sabbath day because he wanted to make a point. And the Jews or the leaders focus more on the rabbinic law more than the healing. Of the man. Can you imagine? Instead of you being happy and celebratory that a guy has been healed and well, can you imagine if you have a relative that is sick of cancer, and then the doctor just advised that, okay, you may go home because it's a miracle. You're healed. And then you're telling the guy, why are you out of the hospital? It's a Sabbath. How dare you break the... Instead of you celebrating and rejoicing with the guy, the Jews actually brought him down because of their human traditions, because of their religiosity. The religiosity of people is looking more to what we can do than what Christ can actually do for us. But he answered them, The man, okay, this is where we get the cue from this lame guy that somehow he doesn't know who Christ was. He answered, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in that place. In other words, he was oblivious of the fact that it was actually Christ who has touched him and that he received healing from him. You can you imagine? It's it's really about the focus here. It, it was the emphasis on Sabbath, and you know the, that particular law was not even found in the original law of Moses. Moses did not write, "Okay, do not carry anything on the Sabbath." He did not write that. It was added by the rabbis and by the by the scribes and the Pharisees, and because they wanted to. Add more burden for the people. They want to be experts in the law and they want to break down what does it mean for us to have Sabbath. That's why when you go to Israel right now, you can't really click in the elevator during Sabbath because it's considered work for them. If you are a Jew and if you click fourth floor, and if you live in the fourth floor, that's work. How many of you know that that is a yoke? Can't even put, you know, press my my apartment number. And so what they have now is a Shabbat elevator. You ride the Shabbat elevator, you don't touch anything, and it stops at every floor. Can you imagine if you live in the 60th floor? Wow! Sumakay so lunch, dinner time, you're there in your apartment. Because of the religiosity and the burden and the load and the yoke that we can actually put on one another. 38 years this guy was suffering. They couldn't even celebrate. Wow! You're healed! Hallelujah! Gadol Elohai! How great is thy God! They couldn't even celebrate that this guy was healed. You know, it's kind of like, can you imagine with me for a moment, what if you are getting married and for the first time in 30 years, you're going to see your dad. Your dad abandoned you when you were a child, but now, on your thirtieth birthday, in your wedding day, he shows up in the wedding. What would you tell him? Would you tell him, in your wedding, Dad? But na but barong? I actually said, "coat and tie." Can you imagine? You know, you're you're instead of you being excited, you've actually seniored, Of course, there's gonna be like I don't know. Movie D1, you something like that. Of course, there's gonna be a time of that, but they focus more on the rules. They actually miss the point. You know, in our quest for religiosity, we can actually miss the point. You can come to church every Sunday and miss the point. You can actually be generous with your money and your finance and miss the point and miss out on what God is doing. You can lead small groups, two, three, five small groups. You can lead people to Christ and actually still miss the point. If we have no genuine relationship with Christ, it will all just be work mentality. It's all about us striving and striving to be accepted so that people can actually you know, say something good about us or we can actually present this trophy to God and say, God, I'm doing this so that you can accept me. Guess what? It's already done. Other religions, spell, you know, in, the, in their vocabulary, it's D-O. It's do things, do that, don't do this, don't do that. In Christianity, it's D-O-N-E. It's done. Christ has done it for us at the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Amen. Come on now. Can we just give the Lord honor for that? And my last point is this, the power of God. We see this. Of course, you see the power of God in Christ when He said, go, pick up your mat, or pick up your bed, and walk. I can imagine this guy who's been an invalid for the past 38 years. The first time that he's walking, can you imagine? If, if, you know, when you read the Bible, you've got to be imaginative. So, for the first time in thirty-eight years, he's probably discovering strength in his, you know, in his legs. Oh, wow! 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 <laughs> you know, you can actually, do, you know, I don't know. Maybe he jumped. He 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 leaped. He ran. He 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 did a lot of things that he was not doing before. And he forgot to thank the Lord. He didn't even say, thank you, whoever you are. He went out. And he continued on. And we find that in verse 14, Jesus was not done with him yet. He's out of the pool of Bethesda. Afterward, Jesus found him where? In the temple, which gives us a clue that he might be a Jew. And said to him, see, you are what? You are well. Magaling ka na. Okay? Sa Tagalog, diyan ka magaling. Kaya ka no? hindi pala, iba palayon, okay? See, you are well. And then he said, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. Why did Jesus say that? Because the emphasis, maybe the emphasis of this man was only about healing, but Jesus wanted to pursue something deeper than healing. Jesus is calling him not just for healing, but he's calling him into a relationship with him into holiness. That is the plan of God for his life. We don't know, you know, as, as I was studying this, if that man, if that's the sin of that man was the one that caused his sickness. I don't know. We don't know. Because Jesus just said, sin no more, that nothing worse may happen to you. See, you're now Well, it's, it's like for example, if you 've been a drug addict and you've been doing drugs and you've been incapacitated and uh, delivered God delivered you, and you know what Jesus is saying don't do drugs anymore, or something worse might happen to you, so we don't know if that is the context of this, but I believe that Jesus is emphasizing more than just physical healing here because what he's saying is sin no more now you're walking right you're you're now physical. Walk. You can actually walk right physically, but you've got to walk right with God, spiritually. You've got to walk right with Him. It's interesting that Jesus did not just find this lame man once. He found him twice. He singled him out in the pool of Bethesda by walking to him and asking, Do you want to be well? The second encounter was in the temple and he asked him, see, you're now well. No, see no more. Jesus wants him to continue on his quest to having a relationship with him. Of course, we don't know, if this, the verse is not clear whether he actually confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. We don't know. But Jesus somehow is drawing him closer to him. Have you ever had... A new pair of shoes that's colored white. How I many of you have white shoes? Please raise your hand. Okay. You know what do you do with a white shoe? Okay? You're very careful in making it dirty, right? You know, uh, you know you don't want to step on the wet part of the garage. You know, you you know if there's any smudge in that white shoe, what do you do? You shampoo it. Kula cool na languluka with it. Eh. No? You know, I was given a, uh, a rubber shoe, uh, the black on top, but white sole, and, uh, by, by a friend. And you know what I do? I actually just use it in the carpet in the office. I walk on the carpet. I, you know, I don't know if it's vanity, but anyway, somehow. I wanted, because I wanted to preserve the white part there. It actually has a certain place in my shoe rack. You belong here. Why do I say that? Because I want to preserve its purity and cleanliness. You know, Jesus is somehow telling this guy, Guess what? I started the work in you. You are now well. Go and sin no more. Draw unto me. Pursue me more than any of your religiosity. I want to be able to have an intimate relationship more with you. And this was why, in verse 16, The Jews were persecuting Jesus because He was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My Father... Everybody say uh, this statement. Okay, one, two, three. My Father is working until now and I am working. I am working. What He's saying is, guess what? The Sabbath, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. You know, when God created... The first six days, he actually created everything. And on the seventh day, he rested. My question is, was God tired? That's why he had a Sabbath. No, he was not tired. And he will never grow tired. But the reason why he stopped working is so that he can actually enjoy his creation and have fellowship with man. And maybe to set an example with man also that we need to step aside one day in a week to have Sabbath. But yet, Sabbath is also meant to serve us. Sabbath is, it's okay to do good on Sabbath. Jesus is the Lord on the Sabbath. And when he said, my father is working until now, it's a statement that God does not rest, that God does not sleep. God is not sleeping. Can you imagine if God takes one day a week as he's off? Can you imagine? Hebrews 1 verse 1, it says, he sustains all the universe by the power of his word. Everything is sustained by, can you imagine if he takes a time out? Everything will be under the you know, law of entropy, you know, spinning out of uh, order. Everything will be in chaos. All the planets you know, just banging into each other. But yet God, even up to now, the Bible says, My Father is working. And how many of you know that you and I are work in progress? He is working, yes, in the universe, but more, in, more especially, He is working in our lives. He is not done with us yet. Amen. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day that Jesus Christ returns in all His glory. Amen. That's how faithful our Father is. Tell the person beside you, God's not done with you yet. God is faithful to finish His work in us. And how many of you have, you know, uh, attitudes or character that needs changing? Please raise your hand. you You know that there are still some stinking attitude there. I'm raising up my hand. Because I know that God's not done with me yet. But the Bible says, I'm glad that Jesus put this, My Father is still working until now. He's not just busy creating planets and stars. He's busy finishing His work in me. Amen. And I believe that one day He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, blemish, and wrinkle. And we are part of that church. We're going to be pure and holy when we face God face to face in heaven. Come on now. That is the promise. What ticked the Jews off was this word, I am working. My father is working until now. And then he said these words, I am working. The fact that he's claiming that God is his father is already, "Ah," wrong answer. And then he said the two words, I am, the same words, Yahweh, that actually encountered with Moses in the wilderness. I am who I am. How dare you say that you are a son of God and that you are God himself, deity. And he is establishing his lordship over not only over the Sabbath, but he's establishing his lordship over all of mankind. And I believe this is really what the sign is all about. More than just the healing that we see here from the lame man, In uh, the pool, I believe that God is drawing us out of religiosity and uh, works mentality and dead works so that we can actually enter his rest, his Sabbath rest. Sabbath means rest. He is working daily so that we can actually enter the rest of God. Verse 18 says, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making him equal with God. So Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all the that he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him so that you may marvel. Statement. In verse 19, for whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. is a statement of his deity. A statement that he is co-equal with God. He's not just picking and choosing, okay, if the father heals, I can also heal. If the father can do this, I can do some of those things. No, he's not not saying, I can do some of the things my father does. What he's saying is, his claim as deity and as a son of God is whatever my dad can do, I can do. We're equal. We're co-eternal. We're co-existent. If you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's what he's saying here. The man that you are looking for, I am he. Let's not miss out on who Jesus is in our lives. Maybe because of superstition. Maybe because of busyness in our schedule. Maybe because of tradition. He warned the Pharisees with this statement. In the same chapter, in verse 39, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are experts of the law. They memorize the first five books of the Bible. And it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You know the scripture? Good for you. But do you know me personally? That is the question. It's not about how much Bible verses you've memorized in your head. It's knowing the person of Christ and that He loves us that He cares for us, and that He knows even before we ask, and that He doesn't have to wait for us to qualify for a blessing or a healing. Just like the lame man, he was so unqualified, yet he moved so that he can reveal himself more to Him. Can we bow our heads right now as we come to pray? Father, we thank You so much that Jesus Christ finished His work on that cross so that He can give us rest from all our restlessness, from the restlessness of sin, from the restlessness of tradition, from the restlessness of superstitions, Lord. Thank you, God. Indeed, today we can come before you enjoying your presence and enjoying a vibrant relationship with you. Thank you, Lord God, for who you are. I pray that we can actually enter that rest in you. Maybe there's a family member who's hit, uh, sick uh, physically, or maybe it's a sickness in emotion, sickness in the mind. Maybe trauma. Maybe it's you know any other kind of healing that you need from the Holy Spirit. Can you just lift up your hand right now? You just want to come before the Lord right now. It may be a physical ailment. It may not be you. It may be a person in your family. It may be someone that you love. It may be not be you know, It may be a dreaded. disease, just like that lame man. Maybe a life-threatening disease but we can all come to God. Father, we just lift up to you this hands so and we lift up to you our concerns. We thank you, Lord, that you are the one who can heal and restore. Father, we thank you that you are the one who creates something out of nothing. And even right now, we speak healing and we speak life to all the bodies, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord God, that you will fully restore, God, every uh, part of our body that needs healing in the name of Jesus. We claim that by the stripes of Christ, we are healed. Whether it's a sickness of diabetes, whether it's cancer, whether it's leukemia, whether it's lupus, Lord God, whether it's heart ailment, whether it's a problem with the blood, maybe it's a blood, uh, it's a sugar problem, Lord God. Maybe it's a skin problem, maybe it's a bone problem, maybe it's a head problem, maybe it's a liver problem, a kidney problem, a lung problem, whatever problem it is, we lift that up to you, Lord God. Or maybe it's a heart problem, God, that deals with emotions and hurts, or maybe unforgiveness and bitterness, or, Lord, unresolved Conflicts, Lord God, in the past. I pray that you would be the one to heal and restore lives and relationships and physical bodies, Lord God, for you are able to do that, Lord, on our behalf. Thank you, Lord. Father God, even uh, restore our faith. Those of of us, Lord God, who are, Lord, in deep situations, Lord God, who are believing for Lord recovery, Lord God, it may be a a business difficulty or financial in nature, I thank you, Lord God, that you'll be the one to, Lord, just help us to put our trust in you again. Or maybe it's our marriage, Lord God, or maybe it's about a child who's not serving you, or whatever it is, God, help us to believe again, to trust in you again, to put our faith in you again, to put our faith in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ thank you Lord you may put your hands down as we just uh, continue to pray one last time as you close your eyes and bow your heads if you are here this afternoon and you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior the Bible says these signs are given so that you and I can actually believe in the Son of God Christ the Savior the Lord so that you may also receive life in His name and if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive the free gift of eternal life I want you to lift up your hand right now just very quickly So that I can pray for you. Yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it up. If you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and receive forgiveness from your sins and receive eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand, ma'am. God bless. Anyone else? A few more seconds. Then we'll pray. If you're lifting up your hand, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. In fact, I invite everyone to join us in this prayer. Can we just pray? Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. Needing a Savior. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done on that cross by giving your life so that you can pay for the penalty of my sins. I confess that Jesus is my Lord, and I believe that He is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life. Thank you for adopting me as your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Praise God.